0: Hi, my name is Matt Fernley, editor of Battery Materials Review, and here's all the key news in the world of battery materials this month. Welcome to January's edition of Recharge, the podcast by Battery Materials Review. I'm delighted to welcome my co presenter, Cormac O'Lera, MD of Electrios Energy, who's going to run through some of the talking points from December. Hi, Cormac. Hi, Matt. Uh, happy New Year. And a happy Northern Hemisphere New Year to you. It's a little bit yeah, too well, we got, to Chinese we got, New Year, but we another one forward
1: to. Two in a row. It's always good. Hopefully, you're recharged after your, your Christmas break.
0: Yeah, all ready to go. And uh, looking forward to 2023, particularly after quite An interesting 2022, I think you could say.
1: Yeah, very interesting 2022. Uh, you know, a lot of the nuances are being knocked out in the lithium battery uh, supply chain from yeah. EVs. Route to, you know, the breaking points may have been exposed, the weaknesses, the strengths, which direction the industry is going to take. But you know, didn't listen back to our January 2021, but I remember a little bit about it. I think we we're right in some of our predictions, but uh, 2023, who knows. Yeah, I mean I
0: think actually we were more right in our predictions than we were wrong, which is always a, a nice situation to be in, but we certainly weren't right in everything. So, um let's see how we do in 2023. I mean, I think the the most obvious prediction would be that the the pricing environment is likely to be more volatile. In obviously 2022 we had two very very substantial squeezes in lithium prices they're effectively sort of straight up. And I think probably in 2023, I expect the pricing environment to be much more volatile, more cyclical, up and down. Um, and I think, you know, that's an interesting takeaway. Obviously, we had the the, the two nickel squeezes as well during the year. It was pretty much... Uh, downwards direction on cobalt and manganese and you know graphite the old uh unliked graphite was up sort of what 15 20 percent in the year and certainly equities didn't didn't react in that way so i think it's going to be very interesting to have a look at the sort of battery materials outlook for 23 and uh, i think it'll be a lot more volatile
1: than it was in 22. well that's the way it's looking um, off the out of the gate in 2023 across the board in china all battery materials are down. Yeah, single percentages, but um, you know that kind of happens every year at the end of December. Big run into December, and then right afterwards, as you said, we have the Chinese New Year, which is always like a slow time, also. But um, yeah, so this is, could be started one of the cycles. If you yeah. look at all the market
0: commentary, it's always very very negative at this time of the year into China ahead of Chinese New Year, and I think the the double whammy this year is obviously the ending of some of the subsidization regimes and I think that the market's sort of sitting out and going well you know what's quite what's going to happen and then obviously the pretty weak consumer demand in China as well a few of the the investment banks going a little bit more positive on the Chinese consumer over the last sort of four to six weeks or so and I, I think if that comes to pass then it's quite possible that EV sales may actually be a little bit stronger in 23 than a lot of people have in their base case out of China.
1: Yeah, the base case is not not looking that that bullish, but it was only um, was it like five six percent growth between November and uh, December sales, which is quite unusual for China in EVs as it ramp up towards end of year. And as you mentioned, the subsidies being withdrawn, but still, you know, there was the the, the sales did exceed November, but um, not by not by a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, with you uh, lifting of the restrictions, there has been a, a, an increase in consumer demand for, well, I'm mostly keeping an eye on the electronic sector for, uh, yeah. well, you, you're probably interested also on lithium cobalt oxide and, and demand for cobalt that will be needed for those batteries. It's been relatively flat over the last, I don't know, six to eight months now, or not even flat down, uh, you know, like to see that go up as well. Yeah, well,
0: I mean, certainly the, um, you know, the supply and demand, our supply and demand work does suggest that apparent consumption growth for consumer batteries may have troughed in the fourth quarter. And obviously, you know, this is an area that's been pretty weak for the second half of the year. I mean, things like wearables demand, stuff like uh, mobile phone demand, that was down. It's been a difficult year for consumer battery demand and and power tool demand, which was a big driver of batteries over the pandemic, absolutely fell down the toilet. So it's not a surprise that consumer battery demand fell, but there are signs now that it seems to have troughed. And I think the big question is whether it bounces back or whether it sort of continues at sort of pretty low levels for the next sort of six to nine months or so.
1: Compared to... EV batteries. Yeah,
0: EV batteries, we're still expecting, you know, relatively significant double digit sales growth increases, whereas obviously in consumer batteries, it could be it could be materially lower than that. And, uh, you know, that has impacts for consumer battery manufacturers of which, to be fair, there are less around. Uh, Than there are EV producers.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure you could name many, but you know, ATL springs to mind, of course, and um, and, and some water, of course, in Germany. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rumors are hearing that there's a more appetite in the consumer electronics market now for NMC-based batteries or high nickel NMC-based batteries. Yeah,
0: so yeah I'm hearing that uh, NMC seems to be taking a little bit of market share away from LCOs. So. Um, that that's interesting i i guess while we're on the topic of chemistries we should talk a little bit about ess as well which had a well i think you could call it a breakout year in um 2022 i mean very very substantial increases in in ess battery production and of course that's pretty much an lfp
1: story as well you know ess was always the uh Little brother to EVs, even for the uh, Chinese battery companies, they they prioritized um, producing cells for the EV industry, but they didn't forecast the actual growth in that market is huge. I think I was reading earlier today that over 20, it sounds very high to me, uh, I don't know if it's cumulative, I think, uh, but over 150 gigawatt hours of energy storage batteries have been uh, shipped out of China, where you got like China... I think I published earlier, has installed 13 gigawatt hours of capacity this year. U.S. will be slightly less than that, where U.S. used to be the dominant market, but China is now yeah. over the last two years.
0: Well, yes. I mean, you know, obviously there there are two major components of the ESS market. There's the utility scale ESS, and there's also the residential ESS. And I mean, for a long time, you know, residential was very much focused in the U.S., obviously with what's been happening in Ukraine, Europe has become a huge market for residential ESS as people try and lock in a little bit of uh, backup storage. On the utility scale, obviously, US was an early leader, but China is coming up very fast. And of course, probably an honourable mention as well for Australia, where some of the biggest batteries in the world continue to operate.
1: Yeah, well, you know the batteries and energy storage continue to find new uh, new applications, and as the market shifted to just not only in the U.S., you had to it was basically co-located. You have to have solar projects with uh, with battery, but now you can have standalone energy storage, which opens up much more uh, markets uh, and can be a lot more lucrative markets also to energy storage projects within the U.S. and and it has the advantage also it doesn't the batteries can be deployed. In many, the standalone batteries, because they don't have to be co-located in warmer, sunnier, sunnier regions of the US. And yeah, I mean, I mean we've seen
0: it in, in Europe, in the in the UK, I mean, on a obviously a relatively small scale at the moment. But there's a number of companies that, are, that have sprung up that, you know, are running sort of ESS projects, which are not sort of co-located with, with renewables and effectively making a fair amount of profit from uh from frequency modulation and you know short duration storage which is um very lucrative in a market where there's such huge volatility in electricity prices
1: yeah yeah uk really led uh, this standalone um energy storage sector over the last five years earlier it was one of the first adopters and primarily for the frequency regulation market which uh Quickly became saturated in the UK, as you said, small market, but um, we didn't see this in the US.
0: Yeah. And obviously, you know, on the margins of ESS, there's the potential for long duration storage. And we saw probably two or three studies last year that highlighted the the very substantial need for longer duration storage. I mean, I really think ESS looks very exciting. And we took our um, we took our forecast for for ESS out to 2030 up twice during the year last year, which just shows the magnitude of the growth that we saw that we hadn't really expected to see.
1: Speaking of a lot of battery companies at the moment regarding ESS, and not many of them are lithium-ion battery companies. The the appetite in that market is to wean themselves off lithium-ion if possible. It's uh, as you just as you see in California recently. An energy storage project in California is uneconomical at current prices of mm. energy storage and has to be factored in uh, into state policy. And hopefully, it won't be those uh, costs won't be transferred onto consumers. But the current state of lithium ion uh, supply chain, there's also shortages uh, on cells also for energy storage, and um, <clears throat> that is proving to be a big problem. The sweet spot in energy storage right now is like the four to eight hour window. As you mentioned earlier, a long-term energy storage lithium-ion probably will not be participating at that in that market at these prices. But there's an appetite for alternative electrochemical batteries or technologies in in a big way.
0: I mean, I should should emphasise that lithium storage is is economic for relatively short duration applications. It's just that because lithium-ion is effectively a a sort of short duration application, when you when you increase the application, you've got to increase the amount of cells in your battery. And that's why it's economic to run lithium-ion on short duration, but not on long duration. So that's why we're looking at different chemistries like vanadium, redox flow, chromium flow, iron flow, different types of flow. Aluminum
1: ion, sodium, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> popping up. Can sodium-ion work for long duration, do you think? It's just a price issue. You can charge and discharge uh, sodium-ion quicker, actually, in some cases than lithium-ion, but a larger footprint. So lithium-ion... Some projects are in the middle of cities like London or New York. Uh, you don't have that much space, so you know. Yeah. In that case, you'd need lithium mine. If you're in a field in Oklahoma, then there should be no problem using a sodium mine. Yeah, example. yeah, or indeed
0: vanadium. Um, yeah, of course, yeah, which uh, also has quite a large footprint. Okay, uh, so that that's ESS. We obviously in the midst of all the negative uh, news flow about uh, ev sales I actually saw a record month for ev sales in november after a, a pretty pretty lousy october and anecdotally china sales ticked up a little bit in december as well with the um ending of the zero covid policy going to put you on the uh, on the spot now w- what do you think for for next year i mean even though we've seen we are obviously seeing the end of the subsidy regimes and everything. Do you think we'll we'll see a very substantial slowdown in sales, or do you think it'll just be a little bit of a slowdown in sales? That seems to be the... Well, I'll
1: tell you today, I'm I'm looking to buy a Tesla. Tesla, the base Model Y in the US is like, you can get a $20,000 discount, basically, between the discounts... um, Tesla's offering and the U.S. subsidy, seven thousand five hundred USD. That's it's, it's very attractive right now to buy a Tesla. But on the other hand, other than Tesla, China, all the EV makers in in China are, and most notably BYD, are increasing uh, prices. Tesla's are, you know, they're starting off the year. Uh, you know, there's many reasons why they have the have these uh, discounts uh, globally. You know,
0: how much of the discount do you think on the Teslas is due to the fact that they're losing market share?
1: Well, you could be yeah, definitely losing market share. There's a lot of competition in terms of models in, in each of the segments in the auto industry they're going after. Crossovers, sedans, they haven't entered the mass market really yet on the Model S. But I can see it. They definitely feel in the competition breathing on their neck. Tesla Shanghai, they're really trying to push out. There might be a case of surplus inventory up there that mm-hmm. they're trying to uh, move out of China.
0: I mean, there was a really interesting uh, news story that that we're actually talking about uh, just before we start, (laughs) we press record, but uh, about the relative ages of the different car companies' lineups, and uh, it showed that Tesla has the second oldest lineup of any of the car companies in the world, with Lada being being the oldest lineup, and I do think that that's a, a very interesting and very important. Factor because if you look at the chinese market in particular it's clear that the automakers with the newer lineups with the newer models do very well in fact you know when you launch a new model you you often get like a a spike in sales and it sort of tails off gradually over time and it's noticeable that byd launched what five or six very successful new models last year and byd's got seven of the top 10 selling models in china you know, Neo, Xpeng, all of these guys are launching new models very regularly, and, yeah. and Tesla really hasn't launched a new model in what four years, five years.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. But the Chinese EV market's broken into about five sectors, and if you break it down, EV sales in, in each sector, then you got the premium grade, which is like over five four hundred thousand RMB. You got the NEOs leading that. Then you'd have 300,000 RMB again. That's Neo. And you have Ideally and even uh, Mercedes. But Tesla by far sells the most in the 20,000 or 200,000 to 300,000 range, it slightly had a BYD. But then BYD and, and Mini Wulong lead the mass market. That's less than 200,000 RMB. Yeah. So it's, it's segmented. But yeah, Tesla are basically only in one market of those five markets. And that's how they're losing share.
0: Obviously, you know, they've struggled a bit in Europe. I mean, they are still pretty much top in, in terms of the brand in Europe. But the the European EV makers, with a lot of models, it should be said, are competing a lot more with them now. So it's going to be very interesting to see. And, and obviously, we have heard speculation that Tesla may be accelerating the launch of this sort of small mass market EV. But realistically, it's difficult to see that coming Within twelve to eighteen months, you have got Cybertruck, I suppose, but Cybertruck is really very much a model for the U.S. market, for the North American market. Uh, I can't see Tesla, you know, getting a lot of sales with Cybertruck outside North America.
1: No, no, I don't think so. Well, not in Europe. I don't think you'll find a parking space big enough for it. <laughs> um, I just uh, I was reading recently how one of unforeseen. Outcomes of the EV uh, revolution is that current parking lots and parking structures probably wouldn't be able to handle the weight of parking structures completely full of EVs, multi That's a bit scary, so, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It was interesting to read that. But yeah, yeah. You know, Te- Tesla is still uh, pushing and leading the way, though. You know, they earlier this month, they're producing uh, up to a million uh, 4680 cells a month, which they're going to use in the Cybertruck and, and also uh, Model Y. These features... Are, are attractive uh, to you know, I guess people who've been to know about EVs. Like I, I think I'd prefer to get a forty six eighty if I could built in uh, sell Celta chassis, which you know which it is in the Model Y. Uh. But uh, there's some other features attractive about Tesla. But the uh, chopping and changing of uh, the prices is, uh, is a bit of a problem for them. I don't know if uh, Elon put a, a post out uh, yesterday. So there's complaints that the there's up to like as I said earlier twenty percent discount on Teslas at the moment on um, base models is 20, twenty and then up to about seven percent on on premium premium models and and people customers who just bought Tesla last month or November or even early December are complaining you know that's a five thousand premium that we're losing out on there we want to get reimbursed and and Elon is saying oh you, they'll only complain uh, they'll want the money back if the price goes down but if the price went up they wouldn't send us a check. <laughs> so it's uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, interesting customer service model from Tesla. We'll see. Uh, we'll see yeah, how just, that goes down. The, with the flexibility
1: in the prices, price uh, you know, it's been like that for a while, but this is this is huge discounts. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think the first uh, round of price cuts in China was in what November, December, and then second or third price cuts now for the last little while. So it's very interesting. I mean, in some ways it's nice to see price cuts going through because it means that we have the potential of of bringing EVs back towards mass market prices in other ways you wonder you know what it's going to do for the profitability
1: of the companies well you know apparently Tesla has got the room to do these cuts because they're the most they make the most profit per unit significantly more than byD and the likes if byD offered they'd be out of business if they offered the same kind of discounts in China anyway
0: Anything else exciting going on in the uh, Chinese market at the moment?
1: China, well, you know, it's been bumper year again, uh, as probably expected uh, in uh, battery production, just crossed the 500 gigawatt or 550 gigawatt hours of Chinese battery production. Mm-hmm. So we're, depending on the numbers, we're, we're, we're going to head across the one terawatt hour this year, probably um, in like the second quarter, beginning of the second quarter
0: there's, there's a lot being made of the fact no, second, that, board, second um, half sorry
1: h2 yeah
0: there's a lot been made of the fact that that it looks like china is sort of overproducing in batteries at the moment and to to some extent it probably is but we kind of needed that because you know inventories of cells at ev factories have been basically hand to mouth for about the last 18 to 24 months and it's really important for ev manufacturers that they build up their inventories of of cells to an extent that, you know, the next time we see a um, supply outage that we don't see these huge waiting lists building up. So I'm actually not as worried as certain analysts about the fact that we are sort of have the potential to be overproducing cells at the moment. I think it's it's good yeah. to see a lot of extra cells shifting around in the system because, you know, I know that Tesla have, have lowered their their delivery backlog, but a lot of other EV makers have not lowered their delivery backlog. So we do need to to have more cells in the system so we have shorter delivery backlogs.
1: There's a phenomenal excess in cells. Uh, so as mentioned, 550 gigawatt hours were produced, and only 300 gigawatt hours were installed. So where's the other 250 gigawatt hours currently?
0: But yeah. a lot of that is for ESS demand as well, isn't it? I mean, it's I wouldn't. Uh, well, you
1: know, the ESS market is not even that big. Mm-hmm. I'd say at least 50 gigawatts have gone. This is uh, 550 gigawatt hours of EV batteries.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. But,
1: but I mean I think I think there's the an important
0: in, there's an important consideration here in terms of inventory levels. I think there is a a view in the market that you should look at inventories in absolute terms. For me that's an absolutely flawed view in an increasing market. You've got to look at inventories in days of consumption terms. So, you know, if you've got 200 gigawatt hours of inventories now, that's not the same as having 200 gigawatt hours of inventories sort of two years ago when demand
1: may have been 25% of what it is today. They do dig into the inventory. Sometimes you'll see installations and EVs are higher in a month, higher than production. So they do dip in and out of the inventory throughout the year. But it's interesting. But it's the same across LFP. There's a lot more cathode uh, material being made. Ternary material, there's an excess in production there also at the moment
0: yeah yeah interesting times i think okay lots of gigafactory announcements in the u.s during the month looks like the u.s is kind of taking over as as the focus area in the world to some extent
1: yeah it should be i guess you know was the the heart of the global auto industry used to be detroit anyway right and uh you know, I, I think uh, most, a uh, lot of the EV battery announcements in the U.S. can be taken very seriously compared to what we're seeing elsewhere in the world. Like, for example, we're not seeing a, a new Hampshire Volt creating. We're getting like <laughs> real battery companies that have done it before. Are you having
0: a dig at British Volt? <laughs> 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 yeah i mean i think it is noticeable that most of the capacity announcements in the u.s have been by existing battery producers cell producers yeah. rather than startups and um i think you know there has to be a risk well what we've seen so far with regards to startups is it always takes a lot longer to get into commercial production than than the startups assume and uh you know if you're going to back battery factories, you, you would back ones being set up by LG Energy Solutions and SK Innovation and CATL, rather
1: than, yeah, as you said, New Hampshire Vault. I'd trademark that if it, if it does come into existence. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
0: You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, you got to take them very seriously. Uh, what they say they've done in Europe already in regards to Poland and Hungary, and the jv's they're forming with the automakers is 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 you know a strategy to go some of the startups in europe are don't have agreements with automotive companies for offtakes of cells or cell capacity It's a much different market to what we're seeing in the us we have battery makers setting up next to an automaker with a jv to take 100% of those cells recycle them also and send them back to the same battery maker so a real circular uh, type arrangement we're, we're seeing in the us and they're setting up in regions you know, there's, this hub's been formed now. We have that kind of uh, Ontario, Detroit kind of hub area. And uh, now we're, we have Tennessee also emerging as a hub area for SK Innovation and um, Hyundai. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I think it, we're, and we're starting to see governmental money go where its mouth is as well. I mean, uh, just in the last couple of days before we recorded this, we saw funding from the U.S. government to Air which is very positive. We're obviously seeing the Canadian government making funds available, the US government making funds available for midstream and to some extent upstream capacities. So we're seeing a very different kettle of fish in North America to what we've seen and haven't seen in Europe. And I think it's noticeably that since the IRA was, the Inflation Reduction Act was was published, US gigafactory plans have grown at twice the rate of, of those in Europe. And indeed there's a possibility that some of these European factories may be kicked into touch because of concerns about power availability and power prices as well. So yeah, I think North America has is, is very much denounced itself in the battery value chain in really, what, five, six months or so.
1: Yeah, but looks like it's only going to cater for one market. Yeah, Some of those loans are funny, right? Some of them are definitely going to go bad. <laughs> I don't know who's who's naming company. no names i assume <laughs> <laughs> but um it's just funny uh it's it's some of the money is going not where it needs to go for yeah. you know, to, to get them where they need to be most of it's gone on the downstream end uh you know silicon nano companies and stuff come on uh, yeah uh, that's, that's well i, I think it's
0: noticeable it. that sort of Ultium cells, which is obviously backed by lg energy and and general motors both multi-billion dollar companies gets a 2.5 billion dollar loan from the us government and you're like scratching your head going well how many lithium projects could you build with 2.5 billion yet you're giving it to two companies which let's face it could very easily um fund their own development themselves
1: if they didn't get the money that was still going ahead either way
0: talking about the ira There's still a number of countries sort of beating at the door trying to get in. And and, uh, one of those that was making quite a lot of noise in December was Argentina, which uh, wants to be included in the IRA, but doesn't currently have a free trade agreement with the US, given that a very substantial proportion of Argentina's lithium industry is either controlled or funded by the Chinese. I've got to say it does look quite unlikely that uh, that they'll be be included in the IRA anytime soon. <laughs> what do you think? It's
1: quite a fluid policy. Uh, a lot of, a lot of the fine print is still being worked out actively but um, you know we're still trying to figure out what China's role in this IRA is a complete exclusion. CATL, for example, setting up a factory in with Ford in the US uh, yes. to circumvent the IRA. With a very,
0: with a very interesting structure, uh, that factory. So if people haven't heard, Ford will own the factory, but so, uh, CATL would operate the factory. So that that's quite an interesting way of uh, potentially getting around the IRA, which uh, definitely shows some uh, some interesting thinking, wouldn't you say? <laughs>
1: Bit surprised by that actually I saw that yeah um that the, the CHI would give that up but um I think um there's a similar a similar arrangement in play I believe with uh, Panasonic and Tesla right Yeah,
0: and and actually, I mean, you you know, you look at the the North American governments and those actions that the Canadian government took, as we as we discussed on last month's call, were against Chinese government or pseudo-Chinese government entities, which obviously you know CAT or CATL is not to the same extent. So maybe maybe that would work. I mean, it's a Chinese company, but it's not a pseudo-government entity, is it?
1: No, listed. I don't know. That's uh, so, all so, so I know about it. Yeah. Um, so but, you know, you know m- m-
0: maybe that works out. Maybe it does. We'll, we'll, we'll have to see.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sure they're not even sure yet if it's going to qualify for IRA, but subsidies and tax breaks. But uh, I'm sure they. Yeah, they thought
0: they'd have a crack at it.
1: <laughs> they have a crack. They need LFP. I think you even mentioned in this month's BMR Also, the the lack of movement globally on L- LFP is a. Uh, uh during 2022 is a little bit scary it's actually quite
0: scary i mean when you look at tesla obviously it's globally mass market lfp volkswagen has said they're going to go mass market at lfp ford is looking at mass market lfp you look at the number of companies going into lfp outside china and you look at the lfp supply chain which is 100 non-existent outside china and um It's a bit scary, genuinely. And I mean, I guess this sort of plays into another point that I wanted to make, which is that uh, if you look at fundraising in the sector in 2022, the amount of of funds raised in lithium was down 27% year on year in 2022 compared to 2021. And that's not the direction that we want to be going. We want to be raising a lot more funds for the sector outside China, not uh, a lot less So, you know, that that's a little bit scary. And obviously, a number of people are concerned about the Chinese lipidolite supply going on. But we need to be seeing more funds going into to ex-China projects if we're going to protect those battery supply chains. And it's just not happening enough at the moment. A lot of that is to do with the equity market behavior in 2022. And there was a lot of volatility and some pretty big sell offs. But if that's the case, then we need to attract funding from other sources. And I was quite surprised that that didn't really happen in 2022. I would have expected a lot more loan funding, and I would have expected actually a lot more offtake prepayments. And uh, yeah. we only saw what three deals, three maybe wow. four offtake prepayment deals. It's just not enough. So we we need to see more money being made available to upstream by the downstream part of the
1: industry. That's all their money. They want to keep it for themselves, right? Well, yes, yeah. but
0: I mean, you know, at the end of the day, how much bang for your buck do you get if you invest a billion dollars in raw material projects in terms of of lower costs for you? So, you know, if if yeah. as a cell maker, I have to pay a hundred dollars a kilogram for my lithium, or I go out and build my own lithium project and pay, you know, maybe fifteen dollars a kilogram for my lithium. Well, you know, how much yeah. of a difference does that make in your profitability?
1: Every major Chinese battery maker is involved or own their own lithium project now at this stage. Not producing anything right now, maybe yeah. one or two, but they have clear ambitions to supply their own uh, lithium. Uh, lithium And nickel also, of course, battery yeah. clay, the two key metals that Chinese battery makers are highly involved in. And that's the kind of one of the big teams of twenty twenty two was this kind of crossover and movement amongst the Chinese in the supply chain up and down. It was kind of a big, big takeaway for twenty twenty two for me. And you see, yeah, and I
0: mean, we're still not seeing it to the needed degree in the Western world. I mean, we are starting to see auto companies CEOs talk about it. We've obviously seen Stellantis flag it. We've seen Ford's management team flag it, but we're not yet seeing enough actions and i think that's uh that's the key and i think the other thing that the outside part of the industry is not understanding is still the complexities of getting these projects in into production and you know the number of projects that we saw announcing delays in 2022 and you you sort of sit there and go well yeah it's all very well to say that you know maybe the market is in balance in in 24 and 25, but actually, will it be? Will this supply that's been pro- promised actually come into production on time? And uh, experience in the industry so far has uh, has taught us very unlikely. So, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes.
1: You know, do you think it's you got big, well-known auto companies working with lithium developers i wouldn't you know not producers or anything all these junior lithium miners and they're looking for billions of dollars of offtake agreements or investment and it's just too scary for the oems to jump into because they don't know who these companies are they don't know what is definition of a good lithium project Uh, you know they just don't have the experience to put i I, I mean i do
0: i do think to some extent that has been the case over the last two or three years but you know it's been very much in in inherent on the um OEMs to learn about the mining industry because you know it's been clear to must have been clear to them for 2 or 3 years now that this is going to be an issue so I understand where they're coming from but at the end of the day we're not looking for the OEMs unless they particularly wanted to, to to fund 100% of projects but we are looking for the OEMs to lock up offtake agreements and make prepayments available to then enable other funders to come in and at the moment we're just not seeing enough of those We've got a, a lot of offtake agreements in place, but we're just not seeing the, the capital being made available by the OEMs and the cell manufacturing industry. And let's face it, we know that they've got the capital. <laughs> they've got, you know, 10 times, they've raised 10 times as much capital as the upstream part of the industry. So the capital's available, but we're
1: just not seeing it being deployed. Well, could be a big year for that. Yeah, if they reach out to Lexi, yourself or myself, can I do a bit of hand holding. <laughs> yeah,
0: fingers crossed. Okay. Let's put the for sale sign out. Yeah, we, we're here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, brilliant. I think that's a good note to end on. So I'll say thanks very much for Cormac, and uh we'll speak to you next month after Chinese New Year.
1: Yeah, yeah. Another another uh, big party coming up. Yeah. So we'll
0: we'll wish Happy New Year to uh, all of our listeners in China. Gong Hei fa Okay. Thanks, okay. Cormac. All the best, mate. So that brings us to the end of our podcast for January. As always, you can get more detail on any of the topics we discussed in the latest issue of Battery Materials Review, which you can find at www.batterymaterialsreview.com. I'm Matt Fernley, editor of Battery Materials Review, and this has been Recharge. Thanks for listening.